Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa Bhutang Dhammang Sankang Namasami <clears throat> So we have been saying a lot over the last days and I kind of don't have much to say anymore, <laughs> I feel. <laughs> But I'll, I've brought something to read and uh, something which is... Uh, You know, in context with, with this transition we are all going towards of leaving this retreat and um, uh, going, you know, going, um, as we say, you know, going back out into the world and to real life. But I think, you know, there's really in many ways not so much difference and Just like in the retreat, you know, everything can be used for practice and everything can be used for, for growing in wisdom and compassion, provided, you know, we bring mindfulness to it and, and uh, the intention to, to, to learn from everything. And there's one book with the uh, talks of Ajahn Chah, it's called, I think everything is teaching us, isn't it? So, you know, and, and if we have made the intention, you know, that we want to dedicate our life for growing in truth, then there's nothing outside of the practice. And as long as we haven't made that our main uh, focus in life, then there's lots of obstacles because, you know, we can't get what we want and we get what we don't want and we are separated from the loved ones and have to be with the people we don't like and all of these things. <laughs> and as soon, you know, as we make this decision that everything is practice, then all of those obstacles immediately have di uh, disappear because then we have a different outlook on life and, and then difficult situations, you know, can be very powerful. Um, opportunities for growing and I think we have told you our story you know and it, it on one hand it sounds kind of how disappointing you know being for such a long time part of a community and then having to just pack up and, and leave in some ways it could be a great disappointment and you know and even you know f finish off your faith in the in, in monasticism or You, you think, oh, it's a wonderful opportunity to see, you know, what can happen and, and to learn from it. And, and then, you know, even the most difficult lessons can become very precious because it gives you deep insight into, you know, how things work. And, you know, because to have, you know, this is one One side of the coin is to to know, you know, what we have been speaking about the three characteristics, you know, having seen deeply and 
reflecting on, on that all conditions are impermanent, all conditions are unsatisfactory and all conditions are not self or empty of inherent existence. That's one side of the coin, the way things really are. And then the other side is, you know, the way things appear. And that also has to be understood. You know, the, how living beings and how human beings, you know, how they function. And, and how it is, you know, to live together with people. It requires also uh, a lot of um, learning, you know, to be able to maneuver living with people. And if you just come from an ultimate perspective, it's not kind of good enough. It doesn't do the job well because one becomes, you know, um, kind of um, aloof and is not able to really fully respond to what's needed. So the practice is, you know, is about waking up to the ultimate side of the coin and growing up in the conventional side of the coin. So this is very important to, you know, not uh, just do a half job, basically, because it, it might, you know, it might kind of look very holy, uh, in the beginning, but it's it's getting more and more disastrous as you go on. You know, just slightly like this, and you end up here, kind of over there. And you know, because quite often, if people originally come to the practice with a lot of suffering, maybe they want to quickly get out, and and then they fi find it very uh, consoling to know that everything you know, is, is empty of inherent existence. But this is just, you know, a sentence, as long as one hasn't really seen it for oneself. And, you know, the Buddha has offered a lot of teachings, you know, on, on conventional reality, on, on living together, you know, as um, in society. And, for example, you know, the Noble Eightfold Path is, is consisting of, of three sections. The first one is about ethics or, or morality as a basis for practice and also as a basis you know, for living together. And then the second um, section is... Um, what is it? Yeah, it's collectedness of mind or samadhi, and the third is, is panya, or wisdom. And, you know, it all starts with, with ethics, which means, you know, it's, it's about relationship. So, you know, if we, if we don't have a, a basic understanding about, about relationship, then we can't, you know, uh, escape it by just kind of reflecting on emptiness. We have to master that as well, and... You know, in that regard, I would like to um, read something from the from the suttas. It's again from the Anguttara Nikaya. Last time I also read from the Anguttara Nikaya, which is like the graduated sayings from the Buddha, one of the four main books. Um, 
and that's from the books of the eights because it's about the eight worldly winds or eight lokadama in Bali, which means you know those eight uh, things which can, if they you know meet us off guard, they can throw us off center. And I thought uh, I read that to you because those winds will blow pretty heavy as soon as you leave the, the IMS door, I guess. <laughs> so you better get prepared for it. <laughs> and then, you know, if you're prepared, then you can use them for, uh, for um, growing stronger and, you know, having more capacity to just stay in the middle of it all. You know, using, the, using them for learning, but at the same time, you know, not being completely uh, identified. So, you know, using the information and then just letting them go because they, of course, are impermanent and unsatisfactory and not self. And they can only actually be understood by comparing them because they consist of four pairs of gain and loss, praise and blame, pleasure and pain, and fame and disrepute. So, you know, there are four pairs, and, you know, we can only understand how it is, you know, to have pain if we know what pleasure is all about. And we can only understand what it is, loss, if we have known what gain is. So, in and of themselves, they don't mean much, but only if they are in relationship to its opposite, then they have an effect on us. And of course, you know, we all want the side of the coin, you know, which gives uh, pleasure and not the one which gives the pain. But that in itself, you know, is again a pair of opposites. And it's because, you know, we are functioning in this way, in this realm. This is the great learning um, curve. We can either, you know, take on the challenge or be thrown about by it, you know, until we die, basically. So, I will read it for you. It's called um, The Vicissitudes of Life. These eight worldly conditions, monks, keep the world turning around. And the world turns around these eight worldly conditions. What eight? Gain and loss, fame and disrepute, praise and blame, pleasure and pain. These eight worldly conditions, monks, are encountered by an uninstructed worldling. This is what we are. Even we are instructed, but kind of not deep enough, maybe. (laughs) So these eight worldly conditions, monks, are encountered by an uninstructed worldling, and they are also encountered by an instructed noble disciple. This is somebody who who had insight. What now is the distinction, the disparity, the difference between an instructed noble disciple and an uninstructed worldling. Venerable Sir, 
Our knowledge of these things has its roots in the Blessed One. It has the Blessed One as guide and resort. It would be good, Venerable Sir, if the Blessed One would clarify the meaning of that statement. Having heard it from him, the monks will bear it in mind. Listen then, monks, and attend carefully, I shall speak. Yes, Venerable Sir, the monks replied. The Blessed One then spoke to us. When an uninstructed worldling monk comes upon gain, he does not reflect on it thus. This gain that has come to me is impermanent, bound up with suffering, subject to change. He does not know it as it really is. And when he comes upon loss, fame and disrepute, praise and blame, he does not reflect on them thus. All these are impermanent, bound up with suffering, subject to change. He does not know them as they really are. With such, a pers- with such a person, gain and loss, fame and disrepute, praise and blame, pleasure and pain, keep his mind engrossed. When gain comes, she is elated, and when she meets with loss, she is dejected. When fame comes, she is elated, and when she meets with disrepute, she is dejected. When praise comes, he is elated, and when he meets with blame, he is dejected. When he experiences pleasure, he is elated, and when he experiences pain, he is dejected. Being thus involved in likes and dislikes, she will not be freed from birth, aging and death, from sorrow, lamentation, pain, dejection and despair. She will not be freed from suffering, I say. But monks, when an uninstructed noble disciple comes upon gain and she reflects on it thus, this gain that has come to me is impermanent, bound up with suffering, subject to change. And so she will reflect when loss and so forth come upon her. She understands all these things as they really are and they do not engross her mind. Thus he will not be elated by gain or dejected by loss elated by fame and ejected by disrepute, elated by praise and ejected by blame, elated by pleasure and ejected by pain. Having thus given up likes and dislikes, she will be freed from birth, aging and death, from sorrow, lamentation, pain, dejection and despair. She will be freed from suffering, I say. This, monks, is the distinction, the disparity, the difference between an instructed noble disciple and an uninstructed worldling. So, and it doesn't mean, you know, that uh, there won't be any feelings and, and, you know, um, unpleasant or pleasant feelings or emotions, but it, it just means you know, not grasping them and identifying with them. So it's not about, you know, forcing oneself not to feel uh, any of those feelings, but not, you know, not identifying with them. And then over time, over a long time, you know, when practicing and cultivating and not encouraging, you know, the mind to dwell in a you know in a distorted way on on 
on these pairs of opposite, then over time they will just their you know importance will wear out, and we will uh, you know decondition ourselves in this in this process, not through suppressing it, but but through seeing it for what it is and and knowing that which I've just read basically. So it's it's um, it's not about you know forcing oneself to be different but to fully stand under it as I have said a, a few days ago, you know, about the first noble truth, to fully stand under it and you know, allow oneself to be informed by completely opening to the process of, you know, a human being and and what, what it means to have uh, this birth. Because, you know, the human realm is uh, considered to be a desire realm where every uh, uninstructed worldling is running after things and running away from things. And that's totally you know, normal, there's nothing uh, wrong with it. As long as we don't, you know, um, come upon a teaching or, for, or in some other way, you know, wake up to the fact that we do have a choice. This is just how it is. Like, like just a dog or so, you know, when there's some food, it's impossible to uh, kind of ask the dog to be mindful. So, you know, this is we human beings, as long as we don't wake up, we are just like that, you know, just wanting more of that which is pleasurable and not wanting what isn't pleasurable. So this is like, this is the big uh, challenge of this um, birth is to, to make it uh, useful for ourselves and through that, you know, we reap those gifts of wisdom and compassion and we become very beneficial also for other people and not only people, for, for all sentient beings. So this is tremendous, you know, what we can, uh, how we can bend this whole life around and make so much... Um, benefit for ourselves and others. And, you know, it doesn't require more than just really uh, clearly watch, uh, you know, watch one's intention and uh, remember it again and again. And then just slowly starting and not stopping and then it's just going to gain momentum. And I think for me, you know, what I would say after, you know, doing this for 20 years or so now, I think one of the most important, you know, ingredients is, you know, not to be afraid to look at that which is kind of dark, you know, and which people usually don't want to look at and escape, you know, in all kinds of uh, different um, things. I think this is the you know this is the most uh, important source of uh, 
of information really where we where we can uh, get a, a lot of energy in order to, to, to break free from habits. But just looking uh, at, um, at that which is hard to look at. And for example, you know, those uh, four pairs of opposites I was just reading about, you know, to, to, to see in oneself how one is like attached to fame and disrepute or, or gain and loss and so on, to really look that deeply into the eye and see it within oneself working can be kind of unpleasant thing to see. Because one would like to not, you know, be thrown about by those things. But if one is, then I think it's better to look than to pretend it's not happening. Because then we just stay stuck forever in it. So, you know, it's relatively easy to, to maybe see, you know, impermanence in something outside yourself, like in a plant or something like this, you know, because what does it matter to you, you know, if it's changing? But if you see it within yourself, you know, how you can fall pray to those eight worldly winds, it's, it's something else, I guess. It's a bit more um, unpleasant. So I think it's, um, you know, it's very important to have good spiritual friends because they can really help, you know, to give uh, feedback. It's very a uh, great gift, you know, to have uh, people in your life where you have a relationship where you can ask and where you get a clear uh, and honest answer. And because some, you know, some of those things is very hard to see for oneself. So, you know, looking at, at, at that which is hard to look at and not, not being afraid of the dark within oneself is very crucial, you know, for the practice to uh, take off, so to say. And like another important ingredient is, is, is gratitude, you know. So, you know, if you sometimes feel downtrodden or really quite negative and about ourselves to just reflect on, on the precious opportunity of this human birth that we you know have obviously all of us otherwise we wouldn't be here reasonably good health and you know and good living situation that we can even spare 10 days you know we don't have to run around and work all the time so we can come here and uh, you know, focus inside. This is an amazing opportunity. Many people can't do that. And that we also had enough, you know, understanding that this is a thing which is good to do. So this is, that means, you know, all of you, you have done a lot of uh, wholesome actions, you know, otherwise you wouldn't be able to be here for something like this. So to have a gratitude for this, you know, human 
a person the, the great opportunity because according to the Buddha's teaching, the human birth is considered the most favorable birth of all the six you know, levels of realms. You can be born in, in according to the cosmology, the Buddhist cosmology. Because the mixture between pleasure and pain here is is kind of is not too much and not too little. It's very good for you know moving on. So you know, looking at that which is hard to look and coming from gratitude and also you know having cultivating a circle of spiritual friends and maybe going to a meditation you know group in your neighborhood or somewhere where you can reach or sometimes you know people can only do that on the internet it's also okay if you live in a remote place but it's really important to have uh, have people uh, we can um, sometimes you know speak about different things and who can help us you know to keep the discipline because we have to sometimes trick ourselves a little bit and also very important you know not to have too high aims you know of what you want to now you go home and say every day in the morning I get up at 4 30 <laughs> and meditate for one hour and in the evening for one hour and then after three days you know you know you can't do it and then you just do nothing. So it's much better if you just say 20 minutes and you do it six times a week. That is better than doing for three days, you know, two hours and then nothing. <laughs> so please, this is, you have to be realistic. Otherwise you get very quickly frustrated. And maybe also what is a good thing is in your own home, you know, have a little spot which is, set up for sitting where you have maybe a cushion or a mat or a little shrine or just a flower and, and a photo or something like this. You know, a place which reminds you and is, is invites you to, to sit down. I found that also very helpful. And as you know, there's tons of talks on the internet. Meanwhile, from you can... You could, till the end of your life, you could just stay at home the whole life and listen to talks. You wouldn't run out. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. Anything else? It's the same. Is there anything you would like to say? Really? <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think maybe also you know, ending ending this uh, little talk by maybe 
you know, also seeing it in, in, a, in a big context, in a world context, in context with, you know, the state of affairs on the planet itself, how much, you know, that this is all uh, happening because of greed, hatred and delusion, basically, and how serious, you know, this actually is, you know, it's not, if we really kind of look deeply into it, then, you know, it, it makes, nothing else makes sense, really, you know, to, to use one's life to wake up from, from this, uh, you know, afflictive emotions, which are, you know, inherently not existing, but still they have such a powerful effect on on humankind that we have managed, you know, in the last 150 years or so to very much alter the the planet in ways, you know, which is totally detrimental to our own existence here. So that's pretty confused, isn't it? So... So, um, I think it's, this is really the ultimate uh, motivation now for me, you know, because I feel um, that if it would be just, you know, um, human beings which which would be, you know, uh, impacted by all of those changes we have been setting in motion, but it isn't just human beings, you know, it's, it's all beings who live here and those beings who haven't been even born yet, you know, they have nothing to do with this. They just get all of this mess from us. So if you think this is pretty, um, I don't have any word what to say. So... And it's all because just of those three forces, you know. And I find it uh, very great motivator to really try my best, you know, to develop wisdom and compassion so I can help as good as I, as I may be able to you know, that um, things can be, um, you know, looked at in, in a way that leads to to some changes which have uh, an effect, not just, you know, on uh, scratching the surface. And I think, you know, we all have the potential, so it's it's totally possible. We just have to make a decision and do it. Because, you know, as soon as one really sets one foot in front of the next one, there's lots of uh, mysterious forces which come and support it. And... You know, meditation practice is is really a very powerful um, agent. You know, to tune in with with what is possible. 
if, if we have a clear intention and, and follow it. And I have really seen it for myself and have no doubts, you know, that that this that we you know, once we really tune in with with the with the Dhamma, it, it is really supporting you know our personal efforts as, as small as we might be, you know, and there's one sentence in the chanting also where it says, you know, the Dhamma upholds those who uphold the Dhamma. It's a very kind of uh, dry sentence, you know, but it's really, that's what's happening. So we can, you know, we can uh, trust that this is happening because we can check it out for ourselves, but first we have to just, you know, give it a try. And, you know, I hope that these 10 days which you have been here has given you maybe a little, you know, window into, into what, is, what is possible if, if you apply yourself to it. Exactly nine o'clock, so <laughs> no, I can stop. <laughs> so. We'll uh, chant the sharing of blessings on page 33. 3 3. Now let us chant the verses of sharing. Aspiration through the goodness that arises from my practice. May my spiritual teachers and guides of great virtue, my mother, my father, and my relatives, the sun and the moon. And all virtuous leaders of the world, may the highest devas and evil forces, celestial beings, guardian spirits of the earth, and the Lord of death, may those who are friendly, indifferent, or hostile, 
May all beings receive the blessings of my life. May they soon attain the threefold bliss and realize the deathless through the goodness that arises from my practice and through this act of sharing. May all desires and attachments quickly cease and all harmful states of mind until I realize Nibbana in every kind of birth. May I have an upright mind with mindfulness and wisdom austerity and vigor. May the forces of delusion not take hold, nor weaken my resolve. The Buddha is my excellent refuge. Unsurpassed is the protection of the Dhamma. The solitary Buddha is my noble guide. The Sangha is my supreme support through the supreme power of all these. May darkness and delusion be dispelled. May I be filled. That's a bit high. <coughs> May I be filled with love and kindness. May I be well. May I be peaceful and at May I be happy. May you be filled with love and kindness. May you be well. May you be peaceful and at <coughs> May you be happy. May we be filled with love and kindness. May we be well, may we be peaceful and at ease, may we be happy, may I be filled with love and kindness, may I be May I be peaceful and at ease. May I be happy. May you be filled with love and kindness. May you be well. May you be peaceful and at ease. May you be happy. May we be filled with love and kindness. May we be well. May we be peaceful and at ease. 
May we be happy. May I be filled with love and kindness. May I be May I be peaceful and at ease. May I be happy. May you be filled with love and kindness. May you be well. May you be peaceful and at ease. May you be happy. May we be filled with love and kindness. May we be well. May we be peaceful and at ease. May we be happy. I wish you all a peaceful night. And we'll see you tomorrow morning. Our last morning together. 5.30. <laughs> Probably be glad of that, won't you? <laughs>